When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky the Lou, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL podcast. As always, I'm joined by Will Stewart and Chris Coleman here in the TSL offices here in Radford. And guys, I'm a little irritated this morning. Would you like to know why? <laughs> the weather. Snowing in the middle of April? That's part of it. Yeah, so, so for, for those who weren't in the area for the spring game this weekend, it was 75 and sunny. It was beautiful. Uh, for Saturday, and last night when I was going to the gym in my apartment complex and leaving the gym from my apartment complex, it was snowing. Mm-hmm. And also, for some reason, the cold weather brought back the inability for everyone to know how to drive today. So nobody knows how to drive today, and it's really irritated me. I'm just sick of the wind. So this podcast you know? might be a little agitated. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't add anything to that. I think we're all just tired of the... Like you said, well, the wind's been kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and that uh, yes, this is our, our digs here in the uh, West End Professional Building in Radford are palatial. It's a modern, you know, <laughs> beautiful building, <laughs> and when the wind blows, it just sucks all the heat right out of these upper offices, it right tends out to the do top that, of the yeah. building. So I heard a guy say on the radio today, it's the hundred and fifth day of January today. So that's, that's a good way to think of it. <laughs> it pretty much is. All right, so we have plenty to get to in this podcast. First, we have, um, we're going to talk some Virginia Tech baseball. Tech had their grand opening at English Field at Union Park over the weekend. We'll talk about that series. And then obviously we're going to hit on the spring game. We're going to hit on every single facet of it, uh, the fan atmosphere of it, the, as- the fan aspect of it, the game itself, the recruits that were on campus. And then we'll wrap things up with kind of our biggest questions remaining as we head into the summer camp uh, or summer off season before we hit summer and fall camp. But before we get to all that, I do want to thank our sponsors at the Fisher Law Firm, a longtime sponsor of TSL. The Fisher Law Firm is Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. They're based out of Blacksburg and can serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. The firm does cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia and regularly appears in over 30 jurisdictions. Last year, 98% of their caseload was traffic offenses, and to date, the firm has defended more than 15,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, you can call them anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Again, the number is 1-800-680-7031, and you can email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. Yeah, let me let me add to that that uh, I'm sketchy on the details because I haven't had a chance to look yet, but uh, Bill Roth launched a Roth report. I believe it's a radio show. Yes, it is. It kind of coincides with uh, excuse me, our friend and colleague Danny Noakes over mm-hmm. at the clubhouse at uh, Cumulus over there at CBS Sports Blacksburg. And I believe he has like a special segment now each week, and also he has his own show. 
maybe in the mornings. I can't remember exactly the details of that. Yeah, so uh, look Bill Roth up on Twitter and see if you can find out the details. And I brought it up because Fisher Law Firm also sponsors Bill. So yes, and of course, we have a good relationship with Bill. He's been on the podcast before, and hopefully we'll have him back on sometime this offseason as well to kind of get his thoughts on the recent news surrounding Virginia Tech athletics. In terms of recent news, Virginia Tech baseball had uh, a series weekend series with Louisville and um, didn't go well, Chris, did it? No, 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 it didn't go well. It's, well, yet, it's yet another series where Virginia Tech easily could have won two out of three. And they lost all three. Um, <laughs> you know, now the game everybody was watching was the grand opening game. Which and they was, lost 16, 16 to 1. And it wasn't even that close. It was, you know, it was 10 to 1 after the first two How is that possible when 16 to 1, it's still, that's too close, the score is close in the game. You know, they just, uh, uh, I don't want to be overly dramatic. You guys were at the game, right? Yeah, I they, know they, Chris was. Tech just kind of melted down in all phases. Ian Seymour has been one of Tech's best pitchers all, all year, and he did not have a good outing. He got pulled, what, halfway through the second inning? Oh, he didn't record it out in the second inning. But, you know, a lot of – some of that – he get, he was not helped by uh, the error there by Fraggle at third base. I mean, the bases were loaded with nobody out. He allowed a, a – he got a, he got an, one out and one runner scored on it. And then he had an easy double play ball to Fraggle. Now, and wait a minute. Is it Fraggle or Fraggle? I, I think it's Fergali, but I'm not sure. They weren't, so don't they weren't pronouncing it Fergali at okay. the game. Does does well, Hokie Sports include pronunciation guides for their trickier names anymore? Are they going to include a pronunciation guide for the baseball team? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Me <laughs> anyway, I'm just going by how the PA announcer said. Okay, it, well that's good. Um, at any rate, you know he made six errors in three games, including yeah. four wow. in that afternoon. He had a really bad weekend. Yeah, and uh, he had a chance to help his first freshman pitcher out in that first inning by getting that. Easy double play ball, routine double play ball, and he just completely missed it and goes into left field and two run score. Yeah. And you know it's tough for a freshman pitcher to uh, come back from something like that. Yeah. And uh, especially, I mean, Louisville's starting pitching was very strong, so you knew you oh were in for a, a Louisville, difficult day. Louisville starting pitching, um, their starter. I, I did not go to the Friday night game, but their starting pitcher on the Saturday in the Saturday afternoon game came in at the beginning of the game. His ERA was about a one point eight. I think their starter for the Saturday night game his, came in. His ERA was about a 1.4. I mean, just ridiculous. Uh, so you're not going to score any runs against those guys because they're so good. You have to play – you can't make a bunch of errors. Yeah. I mean, you have to play perfect baseball to have a chance to win. And, you know, Virginia Tech lost on uh, Friday night because of an unearned run. Lost 3-2. to two. They lost 3-2. to two. Uh, that, that he, A chef doesn't have much trust in his bullpen, so he still had Connor Coward in there in the ninth inning. And on the 116th pitch or something like that, he gave up the the eventual winning run. Um, and then that Saturday afternoon was three to one. Um, probably sh- you know another unearned run should have been two to one. And you know in a low scoring game, a two to one game is, is is much much closer, much easier to overcome than than a three to one game. Um, there's only so many runs you can score off that Louisville pitching staff. So obviously it's a series that Virginia Tech would like to forget. Um, but at the same and, time, and oh, by the way, it's the first time they've been swept this year. It's the first time by, by an swept. ACC opponent. That's right. Um, at the same time, you look at it and say, okay, the first two games of that series is Virginia Tech's pitching getting better because they held Louisville to three runs in each of those first two games, yeah. and uh, you know, and two of those six runs were unearned. And then they put one of their best pitchers or the best pitcher on the mound. Saturday night, and that just didn't go well. Right, he's uh, a freshman. So let's let's 
transition into something positive. I thought the well, stadium well, looked great. Well, hold on really quick. So I think the the grand opening loss was tied for the second worst loss of the season in terms of run differential. Well, to Coastal Carolina being the yeah. other in the first game. Yeah, of the seventeen to two. Well, you're talking. A, you're talking about a program that's. You're talking about a Virginia Tech program that is only now investing in its facilities. Yeah. Um, and 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 we're talking about their their biggest run differential is against two national championship level programs. Yeah, yeah that's right. Coastal Carolina I mean, is a former national champion. Two years ago, they yeah. won the national championship. Yeah, Louisville's ranked twenty first in the country, which is low for them. Yeah. Um. So. It is what it is at this point. I mean, you know, so, yeah, well, so, so let I made me this. ask you guys about the okay. stadium. Yeah, what were kind of your general impressions and thoughts of it? Uh, I'm I'm not a guy who goes to a lot of baseball stadiums, so I don't have a lot of context. But for me, having been to the old, you know, English field, and then seeing which kind of looked like a middle school field, uh, maybe high school, yeah, maybe a small <laughs> high school. It's just it's just really nice to have a real facility, and uh, and they sell beer there. I did not know that going in. So I walk in the gate and there's a girl standing up to the right behind a table and she's got some, I don't know, Bud Light signage or whatever around her. I walked over and said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm handing out, uh, you know, wristbands. Mm-hmm. It's just like said, going to Salem Red Sox game. I said, where's the beer? She just pointed, you know, way down there at the end. They make you work for it, but it's down there, man. So yeah. uh, uh, it just it just looked really good. And, and it there was 3,400 people there is what they announced the attendance as. And it was just a blast to be able to uh, uh, sit in a nice stadium, watch hockey baseball. We were talking on the baseball message board yesterday while we were talking. We were posting, haha. And I said, you know, Virginia Tech's been in the ACC 15 years. It's been a decade and a half, and the baseball program is only now getting the attention that it needs. And you know, yes, they they built an indoor hitting facility at some point and dedicated it to Jim Weaver, but. Um, it's getting full attention in terms of the stadium, in terms of the coaching staff, the spending on the program. You know, it's been a long time coming, so it's it's a it's in process, and they're they're just getting started. And it's going to take a while to make up that gap. I yeah, mean, you're yeah. talking about a program that's way behind in terms of everything. Got to catch up playing recruiting, in, playing in one of the best two conferences in, in the country. Um, the, the good thing about Chef is uh, he's he's plugged the gaps. I mean, look at the guys. The JUCO guys he brought in this year that are that are already very good players, um, and I think he'll continue to, to to go that route to a certain extent. And it's, but it's going to take three or four years to build the talent level back up. And Chef wants to build his program around pitching and defense. And if you just look at this team, they're not a particularly athletic team in the field across all positions. Um, I think they are in the outfield to a certain extent with Minkin in center field. Uh, when they start Darren Jacoby out there, I think he's an athletic guy, but. I think Chef wants to get some guys who are a little quicker on the infield that, that can make the routine double plays like we saw them miss. Well, the, the, the turf on the infield is kind of fast, correct? Is it correct to say uh, that? I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, remember, we were watching it with Phil Martin, and he said he thought it was slow. Okay. Um, or he think he thinks it's speeding up, maybe. But but it, he, or maybe you weren't with me when we were talking about it. Yeah. Um, I, but like you, I mean, I don't go around and watch baseball games at other college mm-hmm. stadiums, so I don't have no, I don't have. Well, any even even if turf is fast, but, that gets balanced but, out by the but, consistent bounces you hope but, to get but, from turf. Right, right. But but that but it's it's no excuse because, um, gosh, is it? I think Louisville has this exact same, or NC State or Louisville or somebody like that has the exact same field. Yeah, it's but, nice but turf. The Durham Stadium <laughs> has synthetic dirt. Yeah. You know, I mean, so synthetic it, dirt. Yep. 
Is that a thing? Little yeah. dirt balls? Yeah. Go down, <laughs> just walk, walk down an English field one day and just pick up some of the dirt and feel it. Yeah. I've never heard of synthetic dirt before. So in all seriousness, I was I watching really guys in the ignorant. batter's box, and you know how guys are always backing up and, and just messing with the chalk line? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I didn't see guys doing that. Yeah, it's because it's not real dirt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's there doesn't bear any fruit. They can't wipe out the line, so they didn't bother. Man, that's, that's right. lame. We need real dirt, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Virginia Tech has a chance to go on a bit of a run here in their next few games. They've got at Radford on Tuesday, which is today, recording the podcast on Tuesday. They host Old Dominion on Wednesday, and then they're at Notre Dame for this uh, for the weekend series. But Notre Dame's not all that good this their, year. Their record's about the same as Tech. It, it's it's yeah. just, I think it's one game off in the overall, but their exact same record in the ACC. Yeah. So it is a road series, but they do have a chance here to, to have a, a pretty good week for the Tech baseball program. All right, let's go to move into Virginia Tech spring game. Uh, there's tons and tons of stuff to get to here. Uh, before we get into kind of all the nitty gritty of the game and the recruiting and all of that, how was your your spring game experience? No, Did you guys have a good time? Oh well, yeah. I mean, as long as it's not pouring rain. What'd you think of the turnout? Uh, it was solid. It was solid. It, it, it wasn't it, as good as it was two years ago. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, in the parking lots, I got there. Game started at three thirty. I got there about twelve thirty or one, and I had to go to the upper end of lot five. But what happens in the spring game is that you've still got a lot of student cars parked in the lots in lot one and lot five, so it makes it appear fuller than it really is. Mm-hmm. But still, when I got there, there were people tailgating all over the place. But I thought inside the stadium it did not look as full as two years no, ago. No, no, that was the biggest spring game crowd I've ever seen two years ago. And that that was the first of uh, that was the first of Justin Fuente's right. career here at Tech, and that was when they they kind of roped off the upper sections of the East stands and they sort of pushed everybody down so they could take a picture from a certain angle and make it look full. Yeah. Uh, but still, I thought looking out on the crowd, uh, I think the West Side as usual. Was yeah. was full looked yeah. great. Yeah, the west side was pretty. I cool. thought the east side looked a lot emptier than it had a couple there were, years ago. There were ago. more people in the south end zone than I expected there would be, and the north end zone was like fifty fifty. Yeah, empty um, and full, and then they, they said thirty six thousand. I don't think it was thirty six. Yeah, I thought, I don't, I don't I thought it was that. like thirty. I would say, yeah. but uh, how do you count? How do you count that? Do you, do you start sitting there well, they, counting well, heads? They, they would always take attendance at baseball games, too, before this year, even when they weren't selling tickets. So, 804 people were at the well, Saturday back, night back game then between you Virginia could, and Clemson. Back then, you could probably actually count them. I guess probably <laughs> But, like, how do, you, how do you sit there and count 30,000 heads and expect uh, to get an accurate I don't know. So, don't first know. of all, you know how many sit in the west side, and that that's a set number. You just yeah. say, okay, that's, that's about 17,000, 18,000, however many the fit there. So, the... The main thing, I guess not the main thing, but one of the main things that I thought was really interesting, uh, we're sitting in the press box. I can't remember exactly what time it was before the game. And we got this list. And this list was all of the players that were not expected to participate in the spring game. And this list is very, very, very long. Would you like me to read it? Yes, I would. Okay, so the first name on the list was no surprise at all, and that was Adonis Alexander. We knew that that going in. Here's the rest of the list. C.J. Carroll, Divine Diablo, Caleb Farley, Reggie Floyd, Damon Hazelton, Trayvon Hill, Joe Kane, Eric Kuma, Vinny Mahota, Chase Mumau, Henry Murphy, Robert Porsche, Nick Risenweaver, Mook Reynolds, Devontae Smith, Caleb Stewart, Corey Thomas, Trey Turner, Terrace Wheatley. That's a lot of guys. That's and, a ton. And, and again, the, the... And there were several names on this list that were not on the list that we were given prior to spring practice. 
Meh. which said, here are the players that are out for the spring. Here are the players that are limited for the spring. And there's all kinds of reasons why they couldn't be couldn't have been participating. You know, it's, but they. I mean, we don't know. Well, the truth. first of all, uh, you know, Virginia Tech, especially Justin Fuentes, Virginia Tech, they're very they're overly cautious about playing injured guys in the spring game. You know, uh, that's just the way it is. And yeah. and for to a certain extent, some of your veteran guys, if if you're hurt and you're banged up, you and you could play on a regular Saturday if you're playing a, a regular game. Uh, but there's no reason to play them in the spring game. They already know what to do. Let the younger guys get reps, things like that. But uh, that, that is a lot of guys that, that were out. I mean, you figure both both starting safeties were out, even though Divine Diablo is listed as a wide receiver on here. That was a typo. Uh, Trayvon Hill out. Vinny Mahota out. So there's two starting defensive linemen. Chris, you're shaking your head. Mook Reynolds out, which that wasn't surprising. Uh, Caleb Stewart was hoping to see him a bit. He he didn't play at all. He's been hurt most of the spring. Terrius Wheatley was hoping to see him a bit. He didn't play. Uh, C.J. Carroll was hoping to see him. He didn't play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of guys on that list that you, you really would have liked to have gotten a look at this spring and you just weren't able to. And I feel like it kind of uh, took away from the spring game value a bit. Yeah. Um, no, know, the, the spring game value – for a lot of people, it's just being in Blacksburg and tailgating yeah, and things like but that. But for people like us, we actually want to get yeah. kind of a look at and see how guys look. I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all, of course. Honestly, well, a lot of the honestly, fans do also. Here's the thing. There's no way to go back and watch replays of the spring game or anything like that. You, when you analyze the spring game, you have to do it off memory. I I didn't even – I had forgotten about Terrace Wheatley until you just brought him up. Because I'm trying to watch so many different guys, and I've only got one chance to see him, and there's no replay. I just I completely forgotten that at he least you weren't play. keeping stats correct. I love <laughs> so stats. so here's here's a comment. Um, it's always this time of year where if you're a guy like me who checks to see what's on ESPN, you get fed a steady diet of SEC spring games on ESPNU. Clemson's was also on ESPN. Clemson, they will play you the Auburn spring game many many times over the next two weeks on ESPNU. You know what spring game you won't be able to see? You won't be able to see Virginia Techs. You can't even stream it from anywhere, you know. Now, having having ranted about all that, when the ACC Network comes online, that's going to stop because the ACC Network is going to want to have that content. Yep. So the games will be streamed and or played later or live or whatever over the linear channel. So I think we're looking at the last year or the next to last year of not being able to see the game at all. We talked about this briefly in the office, but um, personally, I don't understand the argument for not putting the spring game on any sort of broadcast. Chris, you and I—I I, I know what you. Chris, go ahead because I know. First, all right. Say. First of all, there's no information coming out of the program these days, which causes a lack of interest in the program. So, if you're from from Virginia Beach, five or six hours away. And you come to the spring game this year, and there's freaking 25 or 30 guys that aren't even playing. And the game's on TV next year. Are you going to make that trip? You don't know anything about the players anyway because they haven't released the information. And, and now you can watch it on TV. And but, it but, matters because this is a big recruiting event. Right. And they want to have as they many fans in the stands. They want people in the yeah. stands. What if there's only 20 next time? Because right. you're the, from the 757, and you're like, eh. You know what? I can watch it on TV, and half the team's yeah. going to be out with injuries anyway. But what's the many, point of going? How many fans are you alienating by not doing that? These are questions we don't know the answer. Well, to. they're not showing up anyway. Yes, but, but why but, don't they just come to the spring game? Maybe they can't 
why, why can't they? It's Saturday. I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just not hypothetical. But. It's not like it's Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> I get that, but I, I guess my point is, is that you've already depressed fan interest to a certain point by restricting access into the program. At, at what point do you risk alienating fans for good to where they stop? They don't come to any games in the fall, or or, or, or maybe maybe they're on the fence about buying season tickets and they don't buy season tickets because oh well I couldn't watch a spring game so now I'm even less interested in the team. It's it's a valid question, mm-hmm. but I I do think you're talking about a small slice of the fans that are affected by this okay. sort of stuff. If, some people are coming to games no matter what. Right. Well, and All some and some it, people don't care about the program and just come to the game to tailgate and stuff like that. They're, what they do isn't going to change. I mean, Twitter isn't a representative sample by any stretch, but right. there were several people on Twitter that were you know, asking me, A, where can I watch? B, how come I can't watch it? You know, a lot of people who go to the spring game, I don't want to say a lot of people, there is there's is a decent subset of people in that stadium, and I found myself sitting near a few of them all the time that you can tell that's the only game they come to the entire year. Yeah. They're, they're just local people, maybe from like Giles County or Pulaski or somewhere like that. I think there's a lot of that going they, on. They, yeah. they don't go to games. You know, they don't, they're not season ticket holders. They're local tech fans, but they didn't go to Virginia Tech. Uh, and that's their one time a year that they go to Lane Stadium because it's free. So you know what that reminds me of? Not, not to divert the conversation, but yeah, I love to tell stories. It reminds me of the 97 Miami of Ohio game that Tech lost – Tech was ranked, I think, 12th in the country. I was in Charlottesville that day at a UVA game with UVA fans. I was not Who who were they playing? Uh, Wake Forest. Yeah. Um, So the thing I remember about that game is, and and this used to go on a lot back then. I'm not sure it happens anymore. That was the game that was the the low-interest game of the year, Miami of Ohio. And what I noticed in the stands that day is, I think that was also the you know remember they didn't sell out season tickets back then. Mm-hmm. I think that was the faculty staff game where they would basically give tickets or sell them really cheap to faculty staff. People wouldn't come and they would give their tickets to fans who there were just a lot of fans in the stands that day who didn't know the program, you know, didn't it, it was a different kind of crowd and I think mm-hmm. that's what you're describing. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You, I mean there there were people behind me who were like who's that number 2 at quarterback? I never heard of him. <laughs> well, who's that Willis kid? He must be a freshman. You know? Yeah. I mean it's just And that's not criticism. It's, it's just an observation. Right, right. Well, I mean it's people that they're not they're not in-depth fans of, of the program. They don't spend any money on the program. It's their one chance to go to a game. They, for they free, watch so on they TV. They don't go to the game. They don't follow recruiting. Right. So yeah, they're not going to know who Hendon Hooker is. Right. Uh, they don't read Tech sideline. Right. They clearly don't do that. <laughs> yeah. If they did, they wouldn't think that Ryan Willis was a freshman. So, uh, what are some of y'all's general observations from the spring game? For me, obviously, I think the biggest one was Ryan Willis looked pretty good. He looked a lot better than I thought he would. Yes, and uh, so people have been asking me, what do you think about the spring game? And I'm like, well, you know, Ryan Willis looked good. He outplayed Josh Jackson. Um, and all of those people that were at the game, I'm looking at Chris, that's going to be their impression. Yep. yep. So when Josh Jackson goes out and fumbles or throws an interception, the people that went to see the spring game are going to be like, why isn't Ryan Willis in there? Yeah. Put, put Ryan Willis in. He looked great in the right. spring game. You know. Goodness. It's <laughs> like Hendon Hooker went 10 of 11 last year. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. – but, uh, you know, we went to the open practice on uh, Tuesday night or whatever it was before the spring game. And jo- I thought Josh looked good that night. He did. It looked real good. He, he was dropping some dimes on some back shoulder throws. And you didn't see that Saturday, you know. And, and Willis, uh, 
wasn't as hot on the Tuesday night. I don't really recall. His arm strength was impressive. He also yeah. had some Brett Favre moments where he's he putting put, it in the coverage yeah, and stuff like that. he's just trusting his arm a little bit too much. And he had one of those on, on Saturday, too. So, to finish up my comments, that's all fine and dandy. Uh, you know, Jackson is is reported to outplay Willis in practices, and that's what we observed on that Tuesday practice. But the question I always I always ask, and you can never answer this question, is what if the guy's a gamer? What if he plays better in games? Mm-hmm. And the famous example of that is Jim Druckenmiller. In the spring of 95, Druckenmiller was second in the quarterback competition to Al Clark. Al Clark was going to get the job. Yeah. And Clark sprained an ankle or something like that. So Druck was the one who got to you know play QB all spring. Didn't look that great, but he got the job and he, and he got – into games and, and Druckenmiller was a gamer. He was way better in games than he was in practice. You sound like Skip Bayless talking about Tim Tebow right now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he's a gamer. He's a baller. And that's one of the things that hurts Druckenmiller in the NFL. They're not going to put you in an NFL game unless you do unless something. Unless you practice, practice well. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you just never know. What if Willis actually does play better in front of more fans? Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like for for us, I, I, I know I'm speaking for myself, maybe for you guys as well. Um, after those comments that Fuente made on the Tuesday night open practice, it felt like this competition was almost case closed in terms of the way Justin Fuente was talking about it. But after seeing Ryan Willis play as well as he did, you can't help but think that there's at least a, a decent chance that Willis could, could overtake it. Well, I think there's really only two quarterbacks at Fuente. It definitely at feels right now. like that I, right I, and, now. And I, I don't, I'm not saying this because – to make it sound like I'm glad Hendon Hooker's dropped down the depth chart, I'm I'm saying this from a team perspective. I think it's better to go into the to August splitting the reps between two guys and th- than three. three guys. So those those top two guys can be more efficient. They they can improve faster and, and things like that. You know, there, there's a few things that Justin Fuente always talks talks about when what he's looking for in a quarterback. But the top two things are turnovers and predicted outcome. And what we heard is that Josh Jackson did not have a single turnover all spring until the practice before the spring game. So, and Ryan Willis did. I mean, Ryan Willis is what we've heard is he has own days and off days. And his own days is what we saw on Saturday. And his off days are a bunch of turnovers and just doesn't see the field well and things like that. And there's there's not a lot in between. So, Jackson didn't turn the ball over the spring. And you know what you're getting from Josh Jackson. So, predicted outcomes, yeah. right? With Willis, he did turn the ball over, and you don't know what you're getting on a day-to-day basis. A little more unpredictable. Right. Well, that, that reminds me of the, the the Gerard Evans, Josh Jackson discussion leading up to uh, 2016. That's right. Um, Evans was hot and cold. He would have great days and not so great That's days. That's why the competition lasted so long that year. And, and he actually played that way in the in the 2016 season sure as well. Did. He had times where he played really well. But he turned out to be, to get back to my comments earlier, uh, there's no question that Gerard Evans was a gamer. He was a very competitive guy. He could pick the team up and, and carry him, particularly late in the season when he started running more. That was one yeah. thing Gerard had a very good um, – had a good ability to do was to to kind of pick those guys up and to motivate guys and to play with the motion and, and to play with that passion that would kind of light a fire under the rest of the team. Kind of related to Ryan Willis, um, Hendon Hooker was one of four. Uh, had a had a completion in the last play. Probably should have had a touchdown to Caleb yeah. Smith, but Caleb Smith couldn't haul it you, in. You saw the arm talent there on those two seam passes to, yeah. to Caleb Smith. Um, they were both really good throws. Uh, at other times, we saw exactly what we had heard his issue has been all spring, dropping back and just looking like he didn't know what to do with the football. And then tucking and running. Right. 
So, unfortunately, we have to ask this question because quarterbacks are quarterbacks. Um, what are the chances that Hendon Hooker transfers within the next uh, six months? You know, it's 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 easy to say uh, that these guys, or if they do interviews, I think they say that they try to block out the distractions and things like that. But if you're Hendon Hooker, come on, you know who Quincy Patterson is. You know what Tech fans think of Quincy Patterson if you if you read the internet at all, which I'm sure he does. <laughs> um, if you saw the autograph line for Quincy Patterson after yeah. the spring game, Quincy oh. was at the game, and, uh, right. and we'll. We'll get into that in a Quincy's second. Quincy's a TV star, was, man. His line was definitely, yeah, definitely big. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so if you're Hendon and you, you feel like you honestly might have been closer to being the starter last year than you are this year. And that's the Feels thing. like it. When you start a freshman quarterback like Josh Jackson was, he's only going to get better. And then when a guy like Ryan Willis comes off a red shirt here and he's an experienced starter – you know, it's really hard to make headway against guys like that if you're a really young player like Hendon Hooker. But at the same time, one of the reasons I heard Hendon Hooker committed to Virginia Tech in the first place is because he knew he wasn't going to have to play right away and that he could be developed under a really good quarterback coaching. Yeah. Uh, he was smart enough to realize that when he signed. Of course, when he signed, Virginia Tech didn't have a verbal from Quincy Patterson either. I wonder if maybe he thought that uh, Gerard would have stayed Absolutely. as a, for a redshirt senior. Well, well, remember, he was not going to enroll in the spring, and then Gerard left, and, yeah, and they, they, they he bumped got there up as quickly the, yeah, as possible. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe he thought the plan would have been to sit you know, behind Gerard and then try and battle out with Josh Jackson this for year. This Correct. year yeah. With Correct. Josh Jackson not have had a year would not as have had a year of experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so it definitely seems like it's a possibility at this point because quarterbacks only play one. He's really stuck right in between Josh Jackson and Quincy Patterson. Let's say let's say Jackson becomes a four year starter for Virginia Tech. Then Patterson talk, would start. It, Richard Junior. Hooker, Hooker would start until he was a redshirt junior. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I mean, that's, or no, a redshirt senior. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, even if, or if somehow Ryan Willis wins the job, then Hooker doesn't start till he's a redshirt junior. And the and, and that's if he can. And beat that's out if he beats out Patterson, Patterson, who has who's going to have a lot of experience by that point. So yeah. I've always thought, and this is not a knock on his quarterbacking ability, because I think if he was in a situation where he could sit for two or three years and then he has a good path to becoming the starter, he can be really good. But I've always thought from 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 one end, he doesn't have the experience of the guys that are older than him, and he doesn't quite have the talent of the guy coming in one year behind him. I've always thought that he, if anybody was going to be the odd man out, it would be him. I've never really said that Which in an article because, because I, I didn't want to because, do a disservice to the guy. Because I, I, I think we all thought that he had a, a really good chance to, to be an impact player for Tech. If the right circumstances. Yeah. Came. He had the talent to. Yeah. But the timing wasn't right. Or, or, and maybe, or it hasn't been right so far. Not, not to suggest everything. that it's uh, that there's not going to happen or anything like, like that. It's certainly sure. not a done deal. Sure. Uh, but. So, I mean, sometimes it all is, everything is about timing. Well, you just talked about, you know, Jim's Miller, Al Clark. I mean, if Al Clark hadn't sprained his ankle, does Jim Druckenmiller ever become a first-round pick? Made a big difference in his life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and these, are the, these are decisions these guys have to make at a young age in a vacuum. Yeah. You know? And, and the other, I think the other part that got left out of the discussion is when he signed with Virginia Tech, Ryan Willis was not in the picture, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So a lot's changed. Gerard left early. Ryan Willis has been added to the mix. Quincy Patterson has followed up. So the the ground has shifted underneath him, and he's got to think about this, you know. And the worst part of it is 
if he if he thinks to himself, I need to check my transfer alternatives, and he starts looking at other teams, and he sees a certain path to the starting job there, and decides I'm going to transfer and go there. What's to stop that team from signing some four-star quarterback in in December yeah. or adding a transfer and, and mucking up that scenario right. too? Yeah, because I mean, coaches are always going to coaches want to have as many good quarterbacks on the team as yeah, possible. They'll, they'll tell you anything thing. to get you on their team, yeah. and then they'll just keep recruiting. It, well, right, it's like baseball. You well, you want to have pitching depth, you, you know. You can never have enough starting pitching. You can never have enough starting pitching. You can never have enough relief pitching. You can never have enough any kind of pitching in baseball. And it's the same thing with with, with quarterback play because you just you never know when you're going to need more than one quarterback. Maryland lost three quarterbacks last year. Sure. I mean, I remember when Virginia Tech went down to Florida State in 2008 and lost uh, Sean Glennon and Tyrod Taylor in the same game, and they finished that game with up with Corey Holt. Yeah. playing quarterback. Maybe. And again, Corey would probably be running scout team. Right, know? right. He exactly. He wasn't really prepared. He threw a touchdown pass. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but he wasn't really prepared. Um because it's you can't come you can't really prepare three quarterbacks in one week. But you you know, you want to have as much talent as you as you can at a position like that. And and when he signed with Virginia Tech, yeah. At that time, based on the depth chart at that point in time and who Virginia Tech had already signed at that point in time, he thought heading into the 2018 season that it was going to be him and Josh Jackson battling out to replace Gerard Evans most likely. Yeah, and Josh Jackson without that year of starting experience would have made the competition a lot closer. Right, and obviously that hasn't been what's turned out. So we'll have to see how that. Uh, yeah, that, situation so that's unfortunate for Hendon Hooker. It's fortunate for Virginia Tech because the situation, the scenario I just described it: a Josh Jackson with no experience and a redshirt freshman. And Hendon Hooker, who was obviously not ready right now, yeah, that that that's not a good. That would not be a good situation for Virginia Tech going into the season. But instead, they've got an experienced starter in Josh Jackson and a guy who started games in in Ryan Willis. So yeah. I, I think they're in a really good situation at quarterback. And and it's like I've been saying ever since last season ended. Either either a healthy, more experienced Josh Jackson wins the starting job, or somebody beats out a healthy more experienced Josh Jackson. Either way, Virginia Tech's better at quarterback this year. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. So we'll have to see how that situation unfolds. Um, One of the other observations I have from this game is that even though he gave up the big play to Sean Savoy, I do feel like Jermaine Waller has a chance to play as a true freshman, not just given the issues that Tech has at cornerback, but I think that he's a kind of a heady guy. I think so. I think he's played well. I, he stood out to me a little bit in, in the Tuesday practice. Um, he closed on a ball on the sideline and, and broke it up, um, which Ryan Wills threw kind of into coverage. Uh, but uh, <laughs> kind of coming uh, full circle. Yeah, here. yeah, exactly. But but you know, I th- I thought he played well. And considering Virginia Tech's lack of depth at cornerback, we don't know what what the heck's going to happen with this group of guys. Yeah, it's uh, a huge unknown. I, I'm going into the season preparing for him to play, and I. Right now, I would say fourth, fifth cornerback, something like that. Not a guy who gets into games on defense. We'll get into games in mop-up time, but is generally a special teams player, kind of like we saw Bryce Watts play last yeah. year. Like if, if Waller shows he can tackle in space, well, then maybe he's the gunner like Bryce Watts spent a lot of time being last year. Do you, you guys have any other observations from the spring game? Oh, man, there's a lot of recruits there. Yes, yes, there was. Did y'all want to go ahead and get into the recruiting bit? Well, of it? so uh, that that does. Uh, let's get into that. But uh, I think that uh, in, in some of the talking we were doing, thinking about all those players who didn't play in the spring game, a, a fan might think, well, "I'm a fan. You should play those guys so I can see them." Uh, there's been some interesting discussion on our message boards where uh, I think your your average fan needs to start viewing the spring game as a recruiting event. Yeah. 
for high school football players, not so much as a thing for the fans. Um, and that gets back into um, not streaming it, not having it available at all to try to try to maximize attendance. Yeah. Um, so it uh, it really has become a huge recruiting event, and and I think it's actually more focused around that maybe than it is catering to the fans. So. And there's a reason it's still free. I mean, your Florida State charges for their spring game like ten bucks. Trying to get as many butts and seats as possible. Right, right. Yeah. You want as many people in there as possible, um, because it, like it is a huge recruiting tool for Virginia Tech, uh, especially when they're getting thirty to forty thousand people there. Now you drop that off to fifteen or twenty thousand people, and it's not nearly the recruiting tool. That, yeah, that, yeah. And, and the things that matter in recruiting, a lot of them are driven by money, but mm-hmm. fan participation is one that is not driven by right. money. Well, think and, about it. So. Kind of now that we're kind of transitioning into the recruiting thing. So Devin Ford was there. He was on his official visit to Virginia Tech because now you're allowed to take early official visits. Uh, he had an autograph line. Yeah. Devin Ford, a high school player, is out there on the field signing autographs. Exactly. And Virginia Tech recruits in this region so much against North Carolina. At least I'm pretty sure he was. Virginia Tech recruits so much against North Carolina and Maryland and West Virginia and Pittsburgh and South Carolina and teams like that, and those schools do not get anywhere near the spring game crowds that Virginia Tech gets. So, mm-hmm. so if if you go to if you go to all these games, is a, I mean, heck, Virginia and North Carolina sometimes they don't get the spring game crowd that Virginia Tech gets for for their regular for games. A scrimmage. <laughs> uh, you know, for their regular fall games, they don't give as many people as Virginia Tech yeah. does for their spring game. So. It's the one chance for Virginia Tech to show recruits, look, our fan base, our fan support is just so much better than all these other schools that are recruiting you. You should come here instead of going to North Carolina and Pittsburgh and, and Maryland. And they and say it all the like time that. in their comments after they come to the right. spring game, they're impressed with the size yeah, of the crowd. Yeah, so, I mean, I think if, if if you know fewer people started coming to the spring game, it, it would not – I'm not saying it would hurt Virginia Tech recruiting, but – it wouldn't help it, that's for sure. He would take away one of the edges well, Virginia Tech it, right. does have. One of the few edges in recruiting that Virginia Tech has. There were tons of recruits on campus for this game, kind of some of the notable guys uh, for the 2019 class, Devin Ford, obviously Quinn Carroll, who is a four- or five-star offensive tackle. Uh, his brother, Colin Carroll, played as a long snapper, I believe, long snapper, for yeah. Virginia Tech yep. uh, several years ago. Uh, Jordan Houston, 2019, running back, athlete kind of yeah. guy. And then 2019 offensive tackle Burn Tucker, who's another four or five star kind of guy uh, who's interested in Virginia Tech. The 2019 commitments that were there Jesse Hansen, Elijah Bowick, Nike Hawkins, and Mike Samer still. 2018 signees, obviously Quincy Patterson was there. Nissier Peoples, Daryl Simmons, Luke Tenuta, Cam Good, Walker Culver, John Harris, James Mitchell, Javon Becton, and Keyshawn Artis. Big, big group. Yeah. Those are just the ones we know about. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good to have just about all of your signees that haven't already enrolled. I mean, that's not the whole well, group, but right. that's, uh, well, I mean, that's pretty it, well, close. Well, considering like almost half the class enrolled early, exactly. so many <laughs> of the rest of the guys showed up. So, you know, the, it shows, just shows those guys are invested. You know, they're so, already invested. There's, so, there's no reason for Keyshawn Artist to drive five hours here. Yeah. You know, but, five but he, and a half. Five and a half. There you go. Uh, so, But it just shows that he's invested in the program. And, Heck, he's and out in Chesapeake. Out. That might even be a little well, more might, than yeah, five and a half because you got to get on 64 and you got to go around into Virginia Beach. It's I mean, really... Quincy Patterson came from Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah. That is a long way away. And they drove. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that, that is crazy. So there was a picture of uh, five offensive line some of them prospects, some of them signees. So, so let's break it down. Luke Tenuta was it wasn't one end of the oh, picture. Yeah, that's one tall individual. He's, John Harris looked like a midget. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Jesse Hansen's in that picture, and he weighed in at six five two ninety six at Charlotte at, at, at the most re- recent camp. 
and Luke Tenuta makes him look, look like a tiny little child. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> and then who? Oh, uh, uh, Quinn Carroll was on the right side, and he looked like a monster. <laughs> wow, I, I just I never thought I'd see two guys that could make uh, Jesse Hansen look kind of small. Well, you could yeah. tell who the tackles and who the interior yes, line were. Yes, <laughs> you could because yeah. Walker Culver was in the middle, and I think a lot of people thought Thank he was kind of a tackle. But man, but he looks way smaller than those other two. He tackles. definitely yeah, has yeah. a bit more development to do yeah. than other the rest of those guys. But John Harris in. And Jesse Hansen in, at, at the guard spot, and then you've got Tanuta, who's what six seven, six eight. Yeah. Maybe? I mean, honestly, he looks like six eight he compared looks like to a basketball. Yeah. Player. He really does. Um, I, and I will say this about Jesse Hansen: uh, Can he pasture and shoot? Buzz might give him scholarship. <laughs> if, if if you're looking at pictures of recruits, Jesse Jesse Hansen, it's one thing to look at a picture of him straight on. If he turns to the side, he's a seriously barrel chested dude. Jesse Hansen for a high schooler is very thick. Yeah. So if he can move his feet. You know, he's, he's going to be a good one. I love what Vance Weiss is doing with this offensive line. Um, and it takes time to build up an offensive line. Uh, I mean, if you think back to how good Virginia Tech's 1999 and 2000 offensive lines were when it comes to run blocking, you also have to remember that basically, you know, there were a lot of guys on that line that played in 97 and 98. And those offensive lines struggled to run block. You know, they had, uh, they had good players, a couple good players in, in Dwight Smith. Or excuse me, Dwight Smith, Dwight Vick, and uh, the Washingtons were around then, and, right? Uh, uh, and yeah, uh, well, I think Todd, the last Washington, was out in '97. Yeah. Um, but you know those those lines weren't as good. They were uh, they had Derek Smith, they had Dwight Vick, but the other three guys, especially in 1998, I'm thinking about, they were very young players, and they they lacked and they didn't have, they didn't have a passing game to take the heat off the correct, running game correct. either. And, but they developed into the 99 and 2000 lines, which were dominant in, in the running game. So it takes a while to build up an offensive line. But I think Vice is doing that, not only through player development, but through recruiting. I mean, you just taking a look at that picture. His recruiting is, has gotten better. Yeah, I mean, I mean it just look, it looks like five guys who already look the part. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got Walker Culver on campus who um, is by no slouch, he's not a thin guy. And he looks like the most underdeveloped guy that, that Tech is. You're talking either. about a guy who had offers from Auburn and Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good good recruit, but uh, he was definitely the small guy in that picture yeah, of five seriously. people. So it'll be interesting to see if if Vice is able to turn the offensive line into a strength, given how much we've talked about offensive line recruiting and offensive line development, and how much it's been really a struggling point for Virginia Tech over the last I, several I, years. I thought the line did well the, the other day, particularly the, the first team line. Uh, but again, you know, we saw we saw a long run from uh, Deshaun McLeese, but again, not a run where there were, any, there were no tackles were broken, anything like that. It was a good run. I'm not taking that away from him, but again, for the most most part, the only guy we saw making guys miss and breaking tackles was Coleman Fox. I would, yes, I'm which, glad which, you brought him which, up. Which leads me to my next point. Uh, this isn't a point about Coleman Fox. I think he should play more. I'm not going to beat down that 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 door anymore because I I've I, officially I, jumped on the Coleman Fox bandwagon folks. I, hmm. I am on the Devin Ford, Jordan Houston bandwagon. That's yeah, what I want to talk about. But until then, all right, I will say this. <laughs> all right. I, I, I'm people will disagree with me on this. I, I think I really like Devin Ford as a prospect, but I don't view him as an every down 20 carry game kind of guy. Um, I, I don't think most guys these days are. I like Jordan Houston just as much as I like Devin Ford, but I don't view him as a 20 carry a game guy. He's a guy, he's 170, 175 pounds. It's just not going to work yeah. out that way. Well, that not but I think Houston's com- being recruited as kind of like a a, a back yeah. slot guy to Right, right. But he'll 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 get carries if yeah. he comes to Virginia Tech. Um, but combined together, I think 
as two guys who can share the load. I think they will break more tackles, make more guys miss, uh, do more in the open field than, than anybody we have on the current team. And I, and I really want Virginia Tech to sign both of those guys this year because I, I just think they would be, for, uh, for at the running back position, a, a major talent upgrade. Oh, definitely, definitely they would. I Especially mean, in this system. Oh, for sure. Um, kind of going back to Coleman, though, I mean, Coleman was one of the best running backs in terms of numbers in Saturday's spring game, and he seemed like he was easily one of the most explosive. I'm trying to pull up. Yeah, he didn't have the big long run that, no, that McLeese he had. But he was consistent. He was He was good between the tackles, too. On that touchdown drive, yeah, I'm, I'm where, gonna, he, where he scored, I'm he had, I think he had three now. straight carries from like inside the 15 yard line and scored a touchdown out of it. Uh, so there were two guys who had more than 19 yards rushing in this game. One was Deshaun McLeese, and one was Coleman Fox. Ten carries, 40 yards, uh, and a touchdown. Sh- should we start a free Coleman Fox campaign? Yes. Hashtag free the fox. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid that. if you click that hashtag on Twitter, what else will come up? Yeah, we might have to do some <laughs> research on that one and see if that one is uh, suitable for work. Um, kind of transitioning into the, the last topic I want to hit on in the podcast, the the biggest questions facing this team as we exit spring practice. Chris, you wrote a pretty extensive um, kind of thought um, a thought piece on the defensive um, defensive side of the ball and kind of how things stand at each spot currently. Yep. Um, what are some of the questions you have, not just for the offense, but or not, not just for the defense, but the offense as well? Oh, offense, I, I would say. Uh, I don't really have a lot of questions per se. I just I think I recognize where our weak spots are and where our strengths are. I think uh, we're we're still at the point where a lot of our big time players are sophomores. A lot of those received Phil Patterson, who I thought looked great, might have, and it wouldn't shock me if he turned out to be the best receiver on this year's team. He's a redshirt sophomore. Had that one-handed catch. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the most about. physically gifted out of all those receivers. Hezekiah Grimsley, who I think might be the most consistent receiver on the team heading into this year, is a sophomore. Damon Hazelden, who didn't play in the spring game, he's a redshirt sophomore. Eric Kuma's a true junior in his third year. Sean Savoy is a sophomore. I mean, you get my point. Uh, uh, Drake Dulius is a redshirt freshman. Dalton Keene is a, is a true sophomore. Um, Jalen Holston is a sophomore. Josh Jackson is a sophomore. They're still so young. They're, so, they're yeah. better. They're better than they were last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I keep still telling. So young. I keep I keep telling people to look forward to twenty twenty. I think yeah. people are people are getting yeah. excited about twenty nineteen, but twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just you continue to recruit. You continue to fill the pipeline. The Tech just signed a couple of four star receivers in this recruiting class. You know, I, I think if they can get Jacoby Pinkney in twenty nineteen, he can be a really good player for them. Uh, they're still continuing to fill up the pipeline uh, with guys, and and that's what you got to do. You got to keep. You know, we've always used the phrase shove talent into the program. Well, there was a four or five year stretch where Virginia Tech did not shove enough talent into the program. <laughs> yeah. Now they just, did have some good talent, some but good the, talent, the depth but not, was not. I there. mean, there's a reason where Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips were playing 95% of the plays. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I remember that one year where, the, you know, they had Kevin Asante and, uh, oh, and uh, Demetri Knowles were senior wide receivers. And both of those guys caught one pass each the whole year. And that was like in the. Furman game or whatever yeah. one double-A opponent Tech was playing because they just, staff just didn't trust them. They were the, the number – they were the backup receivers, but the staff couldn't put them in a football game because they weren't good enough. And yeah. uh, that's changing, and, and I'm not, I don't necessarily think Virginia Tech has an Isaiah Ford or a Cam Phillips on this team. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. 
but I think they're better across the board. I, I think they're closer to having six guys that are ready to play than, than they were the last couple of years. And, and that's something that um, we've talked about as well, that you don't need to replace guys like Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips with one guy. You have to find a way to replace them with four or five guys from a, and spread from, them out. From a pure number of catches standpoint, you're right. But when you're playing Pittsburgh, oh, no, yeah. and they're manning up on you, and you need guys who can make plays down okay. the field, Miami. you need. I mean, remember that? I'll never forget that game in Heinz Field where Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips and Bucky Hodges each had over 100 yards receiving, and and it wasn't and it, an X and O's thing. It was just Tex receivers just, going up and making plays over the Pittsburgh's defensive. Yeah, backs. they were pushing off. Remember? Right. Oh yeah, I remember according to Mr. <laughs> Narduzzi there. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, uh, but w- when you get in situations like that, you throw out the scheme, and you got to have guys who make yeah. plays. I've no doubt that from uh, that Virginia Tech will complete as many passes as they did last year. It might be more spread out a little bit, but who's going to make the play when they need a play to be made? And they didn't have anybody could do that last year. Yeah, you know, Cam no could one. to a certain extent, but even he was hurt most of the year. You mean Cam Phillips? Cam, Cam yeah, Cam Phillips. Yeah. Um, there wasn't an Isaiah Ford who could Cam do... good at wide receiver. There's a concept. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, Burks betrayed a thought. <laughs> um, well, you know, like a classic opportunity was it Sean Savoy that went down the middle at the end. It was the end of the first half against Miami. Had a chance to make a play. Got hit and fumbled. You know, right. you, you need guys who can make plays. Right. You're right. Uh, kind of going back... Since you mentioned Cam Good, uh, I'm wondering this summer because he he's going to enroll this summer. I wonder if Cam Good will have to play next year. Uh, you know he's one of those guys. Even if Virginia Tech was fairly deep at defensive tackle, he'd still be in the mix just because I think he's physically ready. You just look at that guy and how big he is in the upper body. You know his his body mass is kind of like Tim Settles. Like when he first enrolled, now he's three inches shorter, maybe four inches shorter. And thirty pounds lighter, but but the height to weight ratio is, is kind of the same. But at the same time, he doesn't look as out of shape as Settle did. When I, he I think Cam Good looks more proportionate. I think you know, so. Uh, yeah, Settle I, I think so too. And Settle, I think, is still in the process of moving some of it from around his hips to you yeah, know, up it's around up around his around shoulders. shoulders exactly. Uh, so I, I fully anticipate Cam Cam Good playing this year. Not a whole lot. You know, he, he probably won't be able to play more than a if few he, plays. If right. he has to play a whole lot, that's a bad thing. That's well, a really bad well, thing. Well, the biggest, yeah, the biggest question is his conditioning. That's how what, many that's what I mean by how that. How many yeah. plays in a row will be will he be able to play? Two plays, three plays, six plays? Who was that dude for know. East Carolina? Terry something? Terry, Terry Williams. Williams? Terry Williams could come in and but tear this, it up but, for three or four plays? Well, did, or, or 70 plays against us and then nothing against anybody else. <laughs> but, uh, speaking of Tim Settle, NFL drafts next week. We'll see where he goes. I'm curious. Is to it see really? All right, uh, it snuck up on us. Huh? It'll be next Thursday. We'll get into that more next week on the podcast. So t- it starts today, Thursday night. So we're, next we're, Thursday, the twenty uh, sixth. Twenty sixth. It runs through the twenty sixth through the twenty eighth. It's a three wow. day three, three day, day affair, huh? Made, uh, made for TV event. Yes. The last thing I wanted to hit on is uh, where does Devin Hunter fit into the equation for Virginia Tech? And this, and this was something that you addressed yesterday in your comments. Yeah, I think that kind of depends on where Mook Reynolds fits in. Um, obviously, if if they decide that Mook Reynolds stays at the whip nickel spot, then he's your starter. He's yeah. been great there the last year. He's a starter years. wherever you put him. Yeah, but if they want to take a look at him at corner, which I would be tempted to do, considering what we know or what we don't know about the rest of the Tech's cornerbacks, if he turns out to be one of Tech's two best corners – then Devin Hunter's the starter at whip. It's all about finding about who your best five guys are back there. 
Um, and I think Tech has two capable free safeties and Divine Diablo and Khalil Ladler. People Man, forget, Khalil people Ladler forget was, about Ladler. He was tied um, for a team high in tackles in the spring game. Well, five. you know, and Ladler, I think he thought he played so well in those two games he had to start towards the end of last year, including the Oklahoma State game. So people forget about him. I and mean, Divine Diablo played well early in the season when he was splitting time with Terrell Edmonds. But Khalil, Khalil Ladler played well as the full-time starter at the end of the season. So I don't think that's necessarily – 100% Diablo's job to lose. I do think he has more physical talent than Ladler, but but I think Ladler's performance should give him a shot at the, at the job. Either way, Tech's going to be fine at free safety. Reggie Floyd at Rover, we know what he's capable of. He should be fine. So it's about finding your best five guys, and I think the, start, the starters at safety are pretty much set. So do you need Mook Reynolds more at whip, or do you need him more at cornerback? Uh, I, I don't know, but that will determine where – Devin Hunter plays. And there may be some sort of domino effect here if, if something happens with Adonis Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, it may lead to things trickling in a different direction. People people sleep on Khalil Ladler, man. He was he was a high three-star kid out of IMG. Had a bunch of offers. He was injured. Went, he was injured, he, right? He blew his went knee out. To, went to the opening. Here's his offer list. Bama, Auburn, Cincinnati, Colorado, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Illinois, Iowa State, LSU, Miami. Michigan State and you'd, UNC, la da 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 da, goes on and on. You'd be hard pressed to find a player on Virginia Tech's roster he with a better a four, offer list. He had a four star offer list. Oh, well, 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 he was a four star player pre injury. Yeah, yeah, um, and then they dropped him after that. Right, ex- exactly. Uh, and he was considered a cornerback then. Yeah, so he maybe, was. maybe he lost some of his mobility. I don't know. But I remember when Kyshawn Jarrett was recruited as a cornerback, too, and I thought he had some of the best feet I had ever seen as a corner. And he played corner as a true freshman at Tech and played well, but eventually ended, ended up settling in at Rover. And, and, and Ladler's taken kind of a similar path, um, except, you know, he redshirted, unlike, unlike Kai Sean. And he could play either of those safety spots is what it yeah, seems like it so far. Yeah, definitely seems like so, he can. So he's going to be a valuable valuable player in some role for Virginia Tech, I think. Will, what's your biggest question for this team heading into summer? I think it's a question that has no answer. What are they going to get out of other running back position? Are they going to get, you know, guys who can – make things happen one-on-one. You know, yeah. when you wind up in those situations where you have one tackler isolated against one ball carrier, can you have a guy who makes something happen? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, tell me if you guys agree with this or not. Free the I, Fox. I was thinking about that open <laughs> practice that we went to see on Tuesday, and there was little to no use of the running backs in that practice. Now, a lot of what we watched was past scales. I get that. Yeah. And maybe there was a little middle drill, but – it just there there seems to be a lot of emphasis on the passing game with this offense. So we just and there's no tackling to the ground like there used to be. So know? how can you really work on breaking tackles? So how how good is a guy right. really? You right. know, and and you get to see him in games, and uh, I don't know. I, I, for me, the question is, will somebody step up to that next level and, and be more productive? Yeah, and I think you can. You can say the same for the wide receivers as far as making plays. Now you can complete a pass for 15 yards, but can you make that? Safety miss and turn it into a 30-yarder. We didn't see an awful lot of that last year. For, for, or can you make a catch like set. Grimsley made against UVA? Exactly. You know, really or or what Philip Patterson did in the spring game, that one-handed catch. Yeah, so yeah. you got to have players make plays, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not NCAA football where everybody's a robot, you know, and, <laughs> and, and you throw the ball up and, and, you know, it's the same graphics every time and everybody's <laughs> kind of the same player. I mean, you got to have guys make plays. They really need to bring that game back, though. Yeah, well. You know not going to happen. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> I think that that, uh, that ship has long sailed. But All right, folks, all the time we have uh, left for this podcast, 
Uh, remember, there's tons of spring game content already on TSL. You can read Chris's post, uh, post-spring defense discussion for TSL Pass subscribers. That's a great article. Also, make sure you read my recap and stuff from spring game. Plenty of stuff in there on all tech, fo- uh, all tech football, including Ryan Willis, who had a heck of a game in really kind of his first live action in a long time since he had to sit out uh, last season. But... And also, we'll have the podcast, uh, of course, next week. We'll be talking Virginia Tech football again and Virginia Tech baseball and dive into maybe some other things. But until then, for Will Stewart and for Chris Coleman, I'm Ricky the Blue. Thanks for listening.